Welcome back to Grazia Life Advice. This time we have a TV and radio presenter who has been part of our lives ever since the 90s. Hello, my name's Vanessa Feltz. I'm a journalist and broadcaster and presenter on Talk TV. And I am this week's guest on the Grazia Life Advice podcast. This episode is a whirlwind. It's got advice from Vanessa on everything from where to go on holiday to how to succeed in the workplace. If you've got something that works, stick with it enjoy it let it bed in let it be a, a great sort of financial um mm. bedrock for your life you know and just enjoy being a hit don't keep thinking the whole time you've got to move and switch as we'll hear that piece of advice actually comes from the late great dale winton and there is also the importance of having a well-practiced party piece up your sleeve maybe a show tune or two because then you can go way, way back many centuries ago, not long after the Bible began. Or you could do, all I want is a room somewhere far away from the cold night. Who doesn't love songs from the musicals? And I'm going to say it, we'll hear why Vanessa is absolutely convinced that sometimes you just have to fake an orgasm. When the effort has been put in, when the the heart is in the right place yeah. and everything else is in the right place <laughs> and it's still not working, yeah. then I think you have to give mm. props for effort. This is quite an episode and I'm sure you can already tell. Let's bring her in, Vanessa Feltz. Hi, Vanessa. How are you today? Hello, I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Listen, I don't like to play favourites with guests and I won't. But when I got your advice through that you're going to talk about, I was so excited to record this today. I'm very excited to speak to you. Well, I hope you're going to take it deadly seriously and I hope you're going to adhere to every single syllable of my advice and make sure you live your entire life by it. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't have it any other way now I've seen it. Yeah, I think everyone's going to feel the same. <laughs> hope so. Hope so. Embroider it on a cushion if you fear you might forget. <laughs> Tattoos, are they out the question? Maybe not. We'll Absolutely see. in the question. I think certainly on the left buttock only though. Okay, well, Vanessa, I can't imagine there's anybody listening who doesn't know who you are. But at the moment, I just want to talk about what you're doing right now. You are the drive time presenter on Talk TV and Talk Radio, right? Yes. And it's incredibly exciting because it's a brand new TV show that you can also listen to on the radio or by downloading the app. Uh, it comes before the wonderful Piers Morgan, of course. It's full of opinion and va va voom and insight and all sorts of stuff like that. I hope so, anyway. And it's really extraordinary for me because I was at the BBC mm. pretty much for about 33 years, Wait. on and off, but mostly on. I was hardly ever off. Yeah. Um, and so this is a massive sort of career change and direction change at this wonderful time of my life, the prime, I'm quite sure, of my life. And it's quite a starry lineup, right? So yourself, obviously, at the helm. Piers Morgan, Sharon Osbourne is a panellist now, I understand. You know, is it an exciting place to work at the moment? And what's the vibe there at Talk TV? The vibe is tempestuous and turbulent, <laughs> very exciting. You can be sent anywhere at a moment's notice, just like a parcel. It's really quite remarkable. Very different indeed from the BBC, which is much more sedate and much more staid and much more everybody stays in their lane and you're in your silo and that's where you are. At Talk TV, absolutely anything can happen. On the, my first day there, Liz Truss was Prime Minister. On my fourth <laughs> day there, Her Majesty the Queen passed away. On my fifth day, I was at John Lewis in Oxford Street at 
five past nine. I'd bought 10 dresses and I'd been deployed to be on the telly rather than the radio. <laughs> it's that kind of a place. It's really quite um, amazing, exciting, a little scary, but great. And are you loving that? Are you loving the new challenge? Is it terrifying or is it like life enhancing? It's everything. It's scary. It's great. I wake up at night screaming with terrible nightmares of anxiety, but I'm also smiling because I'm enjoying it. I get whizzed everywhere on the back of a limo bike, which is a motorbike where they take no way. from the bike. Yeah, so I go absolutely cascading through London's traffic at a rate of knots every single day, 14 bikes a week, whizzing me around London. Um, mm. And then occasionally someone reminds me that I'm 60 and I'm absolutely <laughs> horror stricken and shocked to the core because I've completely forgotten about it. And I reckon that's the best way to live. You're not counting the days or the hours, you're just living them. So it's a, it's a great opportunity and I'm, I'm very keen to you know embrace it and have a laugh. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, do you feel like the Channel Court's controversy at all? I mean, you know, obviously it is a place where people have strong opinions. How do you feel about that that kind of idea? Well, all I think is that I've been employed to be me. That's all I know. So I haven't been told to do anything, to say anything or not to say anything. I've just been told, we want you, come on, Vanessa, come and be Vanessa. And that's what I'm doing. So I'm I'm not cultivating fake opinions I don't really hold. I'm certainly not searching for controversy where there is none. Mm. But I mean, I'm quite sure if you think about these political times, these times in the monarchy, these times of the cost of living crisis, you know, the whole thing is pretty controversial, just surviving is pretty controversial and the extraordinary turn and turn about and hokey cokey of politicians has been absolutely remarkable. You know, I've only mm. been there uh, four months. We've already had two prime ministers and several chancellors I and mean, it's absolutely remarkable stuff. So it's not hard to find the content to excite the <laughs> audience who are already excited. Yeah. I'm just desperate to get into your piece of advice, if that's okay. Come on, let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) Please tell me, and I want it in your own, I think I need you to tell me this one. Tell me the first piece of advice, please. Well, my first piece of advice came from my late mother, Valerie, and she said it, I think, just before my wedding night. I'm not sure if she said it because she thought I was a virgin or because she hoped I was a virgin or because she thought I could be a born-again virgin if she really wanted me to. I'm not quite sure. But just before I got married, and this is way back in 1985, would you believe, my mother said to me, Vanessa, Mm. on all occasions and in every possible scenario, preserve your mystique. So when I said, mum, what do you mean? She went on, you know, to give me a few details. For example, you do not shave your legs in front of your partner, your romantic partner, obviously. You don't don't, um, ever, ever pay any sort of call of nature in the Mm -hmm. vicinity or even in the postcode of your romantic (laughs) partner. You never kind of appear with a kind of blotchy face and a and a face mask on. You don't appear, uh, you know, in, in your oldest and seediest pyjamas that you used to wear when you used to go to brownie camp. Okay. You don't do any of that. You constantly present yourself as a kind of sexually desirable goddess reclining on a chaise longue in your negligee. <laughs> and you never, ever allude to or let the person even imagine for a second that you have any less than attractive bodily functions. Okay. And have you always kept to that? And how has it served you? I have always kept to that. Okay. I have never default. Of course, I haven't kept to that. What are you talking about? It's absolutely <laughs> impossible advice. I don't think anyone should take it. I think it's ridiculous. And in fact, what actually happened was my mother gave me that advice on my wedding night. Mm. And we went mm. on a honeymoon to a hotel in the desert near Elat in Israel, where I immediately got Shigella 
food poisoning, which is a hideous form of dysentery. And all I could hear was my mother's voice ringing in my ear, preserve your mystique, preserve your mystique which is absolutely impossible in a tiny budget hotel room with an ensuite bathroom pretty much in the cupboard yeah. when you've got all those explosive bodily functions going on. So I fell at the first hurdle. Okay. <laughs> so do you take part of that advice though? I've seen you interviewed before and you do talk a lot about your current relationship and you do always keep things romantic right in your relationship. Seriously speaking, I'm not kidding. I did um, give this advice because I do think it has a sort of kernel mm. of truth and reliability about it so I'm not really rubbishing my late mum's advice truthfully and seriously obviously I can't do it all the time I don't waft about the house wrapped in cling film looking like a delicious cupcake at all hours of the day and night be exhausting and it'd be quite boring and of course I don't but I do definitely do the thing of not being too familiar Mm. and not being too sort of aware of each other's bodily functions and all that so that there is some kind of allure still now so that advice was from your mother And I'm so excited because your second piece of advice is from the late, great Dale Winton. Yes, the late, great Dale Winton is very, very sorely missed. His funeral was almost like a scrum at a festival because so many people loved him and were shocked and horrified that he had passed away so terribly young. And he was a kind person, very, very kind, very funny, obviously ridiculously camp. incredibly good uh, company and the thing I really liked about him was he absolutely adored being famous because obviously the kind of uh, I don't know the fashion the fetish is to pretend you don't like it although you secretly love it you have to pretend you don't like it oh my gosh how these people notice me what a pain what a bore let me wear a big baseball cap and cover my eyes and kind of pretend I don't want to be recognized although I secretly do that's the kind of stance that most famous people take Dale Winton wasn't like that at all he's like it's me I'm Dale hey look come (laughs) come and get my autograph you know let me embrace you yes let me speak on the phone to your grandma yes I'd really love it and it was so refreshing because it was so honest he just loved it he loved the limelight he loved public attention he loved being who he was that's why it was so shocking that he passed away so young so he's dearly and dearly very dearly missed um and the advice that he gave me unfortunately came too late but mm-hmm. i would like to share it just in case um it will help anyone else dale winton's advice was this never quit the hit obviously it's in a showbiz context in other words if you get a TV show that works, if you get a radio show that people are listening to, if you've got a song that people seem to be singing, don't leave. Don't think, oh, well, I could do better on another channel. You know, I'd really be better off in the afternoon instead of the morning or the evening instead of the afternoon. Mm -hmm. They don't appreciate me. They don't understand me. This isn't what I value. I value something else. Don't do that. If you've got something that works, stick with it enjoy it let it bed in let it be a a great sort of financial um Mm. bedrock for your life Mm. you know and just enjoy being a hit don't keep thinking the whole time you've got to move and switch now by the time i heard that from dale i'd already done it so i'd already left itv where the vanessa show was a big hit i'd moved to the bbc where the vanessa show was not a big hit and i was feeling the bite of doing this thing that he told you not to do which is don't quit something that's really successful thinking Mm. that pastors are greener And I think that's probably true of lots of other things, non-showbiz. You know, it might be true in a job that you're quite enjoying, but you keep thinking, oh, should I move and ought I to? And if I moved elsewhere, could I this, could I that? Maybe just relax and enjoy it if it feels right, if it feels like you're enjoying it. Don't push yourself the whole time into something else. And I feel the same maybe about relationships too sometimes. Mm. I mean, yes, sure, if you moved on to someone else, the sex would be new and strange and more exciting and possibly more spectacular and sparks would fly out of every 
single orifice. But if actually your relationship is really quite nice and you quite like it, and most of the time it's doing a good job, it's a kind of good enough relationship, maybe that's okay. So this might well be about managing expectations a little bit. Never Mm. quit the hit. Thank you, Dale. Uh, Yeah, I love that. Yeah, big thank you, Dale. I mean, I imagine as well it's about enjoying the moment and enjoying what you have and not you know taking it for granted and you seem like somebody who just really enjoys life and and takes the most out of it is that is that true am I reading that right I I actually I'd be lying if I said I have to really try and do that I don't really try and do that I just do that it's kind of part of my personality which I think I'm really lucky to have you know I am able to enjoy the good things Your third piece of advice is to learn every lyric of essential musicals so your word perfect (laughs) Tell me why. I think this is very important because then you can go way, way back many centuries ago, not long after the Bible began. Or you could do, all I want is a room somewhere far away from the cold night. Who doesn't love? Songs from the musicals. At most parties, worth their salt. There's somebody or other who can strum on the old Joanna and play a song. And if you know the words, you are so assumed. I know these days you can look at your phone, but that's so naff. You don't really want that. You want the words to be ingrained in your heart and in your soul so you can do just a spoon full of sugar makes the medicine go down you know you want to be able to do that yes matchmaker matchmaker make me a match you need to be able to do that because then you are the person that provides the party piece that then inspires everybody else to do their party piece it can be a song it can be juggling it can be a card trick it can be a strip tease i mean it depends on the kind of parties you like to go to but (laughs) A party piece is what a party needs to really get it going. And, is, and, and and I'm absolutely certain that one of the greatest things that a human being can achieve in life is to be a good party guest. Because if you make a party mm. swing, people just like having you there. You know, you're an enhancement, an adornment, you're an ornament. Everyone likes it. Everyone has fun. And then they associate you with the funnest times of their lives. You know, what were we doing that night? We had that, oh, there was Vanessa. She was belting out, my old man says, follow the van. That was great. We had a great time. We must ask them again. They're top of our party list. They're party hip parade people. Let's put them on the top table at the wedding. We love them. And I I like to be invited. I'm a terrible FOMO. If I'm not asked, I feel absolutely terrible. So I want to go. I want to be invited. And I want people to want us to be there. And I want to bring added value to any celebration. I don't mind if it's a circumcision, a bar mitzvah, if somebody's uh, thir- thir- uh, 13th birthday party and they've just become a teacher. I don't care what it is. I would like to go and really make the most of it, thoroughly enjoy it. And if you know the words of a few songs from the musicals, you can't go wrong. Plus, if you ever can't yeah. sleep and you don't want to count sheep because they're so boring, you just sing the lyrics of Oklahoma, Les Miserable, or whichever one you like to yourself and you soothe yourself to sleep. It's like singing your own lullaby. It's nice. That, I mean... I don't know if I've got any follow-up questions. I think you covered that all off and I'm now, I'm converted to it. I I did just want to say, you know, people say, don't they, like who would you have famous alive or dead at dinner parties? And I imagine now you're at the top of a lot of people's lists who listen to this podcast. Well, I hope I'm not the dead list. I don't know who would you like to have alive or dead. I'd like to be alive, kicking. I'd like to eat a large dinner. Yeah. And I'd like to have a great time. So if anyone wants to ask me, I'm I'm in. Yes, please. Thank you very much. All grazie readers who want to invite me for dinner, if you would like that. It would be my pleasure. 
Perfect. Can't wait. We'll be back with more from Vanessa after this. Thrilled to say that I am still here with Vanessa Feltz. And we're going to move into your fourth piece of advice, which is never take the silly boat trip. Oh, yeah. Stay on dry land. Why is that? So true. My late father used to say when he saw people climbing up the hill and then walking all the way up the steps to the very top of the castle or the monument or whatever blinking thing it was that they were climbing up the cliff, the mountain, he'd say it's absolutely absurd. He'd say, we're standing here. We're looking up at them. They're going to walk all the way up there. They're going to be exhausted. They're going to be sweating. They're going to be arguing with their family. Then they're going to look down, take a picture of us down here and come down again. The sensible thing to do is read a magazine like Grazia, have a lovely cup of coffee and wait for them to come down again. And even more vigorously, this applies to the silly boat trip. The silly boat trip is always very expensive. You usually feel sick. Mm. It's normally crowded. It's normally hot. You have to go somewhere and then you come back again. So you're in a beautiful, perfectly beautiful place. You're by the side of the sea or the lake or the river or whatever it is. You have to get on a boat, go to the other side of the river, look back at the place you've already been at, take a picture <laughs> and come back of it. What the hell is the point of that? It is a ridiculous thing to do. It also applies to gondolas in Venice, which are an almighty yes. ripoff. doesn't smell nice. You're too low down to see anything pretty. It costs you an absolute fortune. The gondolier sings just one cornetto out of tune you feel absolutely miserable it's a bit like valentine's day where the heat is on to be incredibly romantic but actually it's a complete fiasco nasty i did the same once with one of those compulsory rides in a i think it's a horse-drawn carriage through central park in new york absolutely ghastly you know much too heavy pressure to be romantic and to love it when secretly you don't it was cold the horses kept farting it was just ghastly so do not take the silly boat trip the gondola trip the, the the ride on a donkey cart through through blinking uh, Central Park or Florence or Venice or Rome or anywhere else. Just stay where you already were, which is perfectly fine and enjoy the place you're at. Do not be compelled to go on a trip to anywhere else. Fantastic. And I am i wouldn't normally move on so quickly, but I want to talk about them together because your fifth yeah. piece of advice is, and I, that's why I can see you're so passionate about this, is don't go on cruises. Oh my God. I've only ever been on one <laughs> cruise and I still dream, and it's not a dream, it's a nightmare about that cruise. I thought that the whole concept of cruising was the most unutterable torture. I mean, think about Titanic and quadruple it. It was just <laughs> horrific. And, and, and the, the awful thing was that, that it was the first time I'd made any money in my entire life. And I was in my mid-30s mm. and I'd, I'd saved and saved. And finally, I just thought the acme, the pinnacle of all glamour and all aspiration is to go on a cruise. So on a cruise, we went, my ex-husband, who was then my husband, and the two little girls, Allegra and Saskia, and we get on this cruise. What a nightmare. It's ghastly. <laughs> First of all, there are some days where you're just at sea, just stuck in the middle of the ocean yeah. on a boat. Why? nothing to do yeah. you can't go anywhere you're just stuck and I was praying for someone to come and airlift me off this wretched thing I just wanted to get off I didn't want to be stuck at sea at this thing just 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 hurtling about the ocean ghastly but even worse is when you get off let's say you get off somewhere really nice like let's say St Barts mm. in the Caribbean it's gorgeous St Barts but you get off in the horriblest place on the entire island you get off at the nasty docks which are ugly and full to the brim of other people getting off cruise ships. They're absolutely crowded with people pouring off these huge ships. And then there are prostitutes, thieves, someone who'll braid your hair. I didn't want my hair braided. And then you wait and wait and wait for a taxi to get you to the nicest place on the island. 
And then you finally get there. You're like, oh my God, this is great. You finally find a sunbed under a palm tree. You finally get a cocktail. You're finally comfortable. It's taken hours to get to this place. You look at the other people who are already there. They're not on a cruise. Mm. They haven't had to get there. They're there. That's the place they went to. And they're already there. They are comfortable and relaxed. You are looking at your watch because you've got to get back on the wretched ship. So no sooner have you drunk this cocktail at absolute full speed, then you're running back to get to a taxi, huge queue of people to get to to get back on the ship, which you don't really want to do because you've only just found a really delightful place under a tree. You're back on the ship and just as it sets off and you start to feel slightly nauseous, a little bit seasick, a bit queasy, you have to go and have dinner. What a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, it was the worst ever. I've never, never, you could not persuade me back on one of those <laughs> in a million years. Nightmare. <laughs> what is your dream holiday then? Can I ask? Given that you don't want the trips, you don't want the cruise, what is the dream holiday? What's the best holiday? Well, my, my dream holiday, I've actually managed to achieve, and that is um, I, in 2017, I bought a house in East Cork, the very, very wow. edge of Ireland, right on the Atlantic Ocean. It is so beautiful, I can't even tell you. And if you drive down the road to get there, eventually you have to turn around because it's the end. If you keep driving, you'll fall off the edge of Ireland. And it's just a, a, a beautiful, beautiful location. And the house isn't posh or it's not some, you know, crumbling castle or some, you know, rectory with roses around the door. It's just an ordinary house, really, just kind of built in 2001. Um, but all my family can fit in it. So both my mm. girls, the, the sons-in-law and all the grandbabies, and I've now got mm. four, we go all together. I've got a third-hand old green minibus, uh, which we call the Jolly Green Giant. I usually mm. am the driver. We drive around, rollicking around the hills and dales of East Cork, and we have the most wonderful time. There are beaches absolutely everywhere usually with no one on them at all, sometimes a distant man and a dog, but hardly ever. And um, that to me is the perfect, absolute perfect holiday. And I, I think I'm just so lucky to have found it. I'm so lucky because otherwise I spend my whole life questing for it. And it's pretty much taken away any ounce of wanderlust I ever had. Now I found right. it, it's all I ever wanted to go there. So last year, 2022, with the exception of, I think, two nights in Rome, which were bought for me as a birthday present by my daughter, Every ounce of holiday I had, I spent there in beautiful East Cork, beloved East Cork, mm. and had a great time. So that's my idea of a perfect holiday. You have to look on my Instagram and you'll be able to see it. Do you know I've only been on Instagram for one year? Do you know it was exact? Last week was my one year anniversary. I used to have an eight pound Nokia and I'd never even, I'd never even seen social media. I hadn't even seen it. I hadn't watched any porn, hadn't done any of the wonderful things you can do on a smartphone. I think I was the last person in the whole UK still ringing directory inquiries to ask for phone numbers because I didn't have a social, I didn't have a smartphone, so I had to keep doing that. Anyway, when when the pandemic happened, my girls went to the house in Ireland. That's yeah. where they went with with the babies and the and the sons-in-law. And I was still working at the BBC, so I couldn't be with them. So I had to get a smartphone because I had to I had to be able to see them, obviously. But I still didn't go on mm. social media until exactly a year ago. And then I went onto onto Instagram. And I absolutely love it. And a year on, two hundred thirty-seven thousand mm. followers. Not bad in a year yeah it, it can be good fun yeah if we use it in the right way yeah um Vanessa please can you tell me your sixth piece of good advice so my last piece of advice 
wasn't handed on to me by anybody else. I've just noticed this myself in life. And it is never have a business partner. And I'm sure there'll be people listening to me who say, but I've got a wonderful business partner. And what does she mean? And that's a terrible idea. And, and also you could never have set up the business on your own. You needed a partner. But I have just seen so many people over my lifetime be betrayed and hurt and you know sold down the river by nasty, unscrupulous business partners. And it's even worse if it's a member of your own family. And that happens all the time. So I just think business partners, oh my gosh, there's usually an inequality somewhere either one put more money in than the other or one puts more work in than the other or one's more creative than the other one's more diligent conscientious the other one's just messing about or something i think very rarely are they evenly matched in terms of the commitment the effort the financial uh, input and everything else and very often the whole thing crumbles and it just kind of shatters and you're left with a shattered mm. business a shattered friendship shattered relationship if it's someone in your family um, and it's always it seems to me just an absolute passport to misery so I, I I would say that my life has shown me that having a business partner is an absolutely terrible idea I'm aware that people will disagree but hey you know my shoulders are broad enough to take disagreement my advice is if you can possibly avoid it do not take a business partner because the end is almost inevitably an absolutely shambolic load of misery that you could have done without in your in your career, do you have team a team? Do you have a team? Is it small? Is it people you've worked with for years? How do you operate? Oh, I've got lots of different teams because I do lots of different jobs. So uh, on mm -hmm. TV, there's a large team because it's TV. So there there's a gallery full of people doing all the technical stuff. There are producers, there are researchers, there are bosses overviewing what they're doing. It's a very big team because it's a, a show that goes out on so many different media at the same time. It's technically yeah. quite complicated because if you download the app, I think you get a certain kind of advert. If you watch it on the television, you get a certain kind of commercial. If you were listening on the radio, the commercials are different. It's really quite complex to put together. Uh, so, I mean, mm. the team's incredibly important. And I think the older I've got, the more I realize how important the team are. Maybe when I was younger, I might have been under the delusion that it was more about me because I was the presenter. But I know that's not true now. Really, really matters no. how reliable your team are. You know, if you've got researchers, you need them to be absolutely on point so that when you say something, it's true and it's right and it's correct. You don't begin by making a terrible error or immediately offending your guest, you know, that kind of thing, which you can easily do if they give you some misinformation and you just relay it. So obviously you've got to do your own work and research, but your researchers need to be good. Everyone needs to be good. And in all the other things I do, for example, I am, um, what else do I do? Oh yes, this, I'm on this morning, aren't I? I do this morning twice a week with Holly and Phil. They're a fabulous team. They're obviously mm. they're incredible to, to, to present with or to, to be a guest with, but um, the team behind them on this morning are absolutely hot as hell and in fact every time I'm on it I'm aware of how good they are so it's that kind of thing mm. I've got a column in the Daily Express they're a fabulous team I mean nothing happens on your own but you don't have to let someone in and like kind of co no co-produce with you do no, you no, no but I don't have yeah. a, a so-called business partner and I've never wanted a presenting partner I've never wanted to do a two-headed show and thank god so far mm. no one's ever asked me to I really wouldn't like that one. <laughs> I just wouldn't like it wouldn't have to keep nodding when they keep talking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You wonder what goes through their heads sometimes, don't you, when they're sat next to each other? Yeah. So, Vanessa, we always like to finish on a piece of worst advice given and, you know, talk about why it's not always appropriate. Tell me yours. The worst piece of advice I've ever been given, and actually, 
I think sexperts and communications experts and relationship experts are forever peddling this advice. Mm. They always say you must never fake an orgasm because they say that if you do, you're giving a false impression of what you like and you don't like. And you're, you know, you're not being authentic and you're not telling the truth. And if you if you fake an orgasm, then how can your lover or partner ever know what you really like? So never, ever do it. And I think that is the worst advice I've ever been given. And I don't care who disagrees with me. Sometimes it is just rude not to fake it, in my view. Yeah. Sometimes, God love them, your partner is trying every trick in the book. They have been fiddling and twiddling and they've been licking and sucking and flicking and absolutely every they're whispering dirty words in your ear they're massaging oil into your calves there are scented candles there's not one flipping thing mm. that they could possibly do that they're not doing they are absolutely 10 out of 10 for effort and I think on those occasions when you know that suddenly you've remembered defrosting the freezer you've just taken your eye off the ball you're not concentrating and you are never ever ever going to get to orgasm it doesn't matter what they did even if they plugged you into the socket you still wouldn't yeah you just gotta fake it because it's only polite it's like saying look listen look okay fabulous i loved it yes 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 you do the major major meg ryan mm. and then it's all over thank god and everybody saves face no one's embarrassed or ashamed and you never have to mention it again i'm not saying do it every time of course not you know that's not a good idea either but sometimes and you will know the times everybody will know which times on certain occasions the only courteous and polite thing to do is fake an orgasm but at least make sure you fake it convincingly yeah I, so you're saying when it's deserved when the effort has been put in when the 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 heart is in the right place yeah. and everything else is in the right place <laughs> the penis is in the right place the fingers are in the right place the tongue's in the right place, anything else you might be using is in the right place and it's still not working yeah then i think you have to give mm. you know props for effort and you just make it and at least it's a way of concluding it satisfactorily it's over thank god and then you can go and do something else you can then go and defrost the freezer you know as you were saying exactly which is what you really wanted to do all along <laughs> brilliant Thank you so much, Vanessa. I've loved having you on today. You've been an incredible, incredible guest. Thank you for all of your advice today. I loved it. Thanks so much for having me. Vanessa is a force to be reckoned with and so entertaining. I really, really enjoyed that and I hope you did too. Just the usual final plea from me. Please, please like, share, review Grazia Life Advice wherever you get your podcasts. If that episode isn't going to convince you, what will? It really helps us out when you do that. Thanks and bye for now. <laughs>